Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Taco Palenque fans, we have something special for you. Try the Casero Taco now for only $2.75 Monday through Thursday. Flavor packed with premium sirloin rice and refried beans. Only at Taco Palenque. At participating locations for limited time, not valid for delivery. Other restrictions may apply. From a top secret network of highly secure locations across North America, this is the Spurs Insider brought to you by Taco Palenque. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined by our usual panel of Express News, Spurs beat writers Jeff McDonald and Tom Orsborne, and Express News sports editor Nick Talbot. We're going to talk about how Victor Wembanyama is adjusting to the NBA, all the lessons he's learned. He's learning about life in professional basketball in America. Jeff McDonald has learned about time zones in America in his 17th season covering the San Antonio Spurs. He is joining us from a secure location in Indiana on this Tuesday morning. Uh, Jeff, you, you you figured out the clocks. Um, you're adjusting just like Victor is. H- how is it all going? What, what day is it where you are? Uh, is it- where we are, it's November of 2023. Okay. I want to check what month it was. I wasn't sure how time zones work. This, this was an issue getting into the podcast this morning. We have it all figured out. We can talk about quite a week in Wemby Mania. We recorded last week's podcast, unfortunately, uh, probably the worst possible day um, to, to capitalize on the momentum of Wemby's national TV coming out party, which was quite a sight and scene to behold. Where do we even start this week? To, to recap what we've just seen from the up and down, all over the map, local cagers. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, okay, so I covered the I've the last two road games I've covered because uh, Tom Orsborn covered the two games in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. The last two road games I've covered for the Wimby Mania Spurs, uh, they've lost by 40 points, both of them. Yeah. So this is all your fault. I, I don't want to put this out there, but I guess I'm going to. I still have not covered a Victor Wimbanyama regular season victory. All yeah. three of the Spurs victories were, uh, you know, Tom Warsborn at the wheel. I'm, yeah. I'm, I missed the Houston, the, the game, victory over Houston for some family stuff, and then he was on the Phoenix trip where they won the two games. So I'm the bad luck charm. Everyone wants to, everyone wants to hear it. You know, if, if they, if the Spurs fans really want to know what's going on, I'm the bad luck charm. It's my fault. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. It's, it's good, though, for the podcast because we have two very different, you know, I've been around for most of them, 
So uh, last night was the first one I missed, Indiana. Uh, but we have two very different impressions of the local cagers from the two beat riders because they've seen two very, very different teams. And so this this should all uh, this should all balance out. Like like I'm going to go to Tom now, and he can talk about those two games in Phoenix where I sat beside him and we soaked all this in. It was like a. People were coming up to Tom and I after the game, you know, the Washington Post, the Athletic, the ESPN, telling us, you guys are going to be well, working until June. Yeah. And one, Tom and I, and one se- Tom, go ahead. One Tom. season, one season columnist was saying that, if I remember correctly, we're, uh, you guys are going to be working until June or we're going to be working until June. Uh, yeah. Something along those lines. But that seems a bit much. They're probably not quite as good as, as that team that we saw in Phoenix at the Footprint Center, right down the street from the, the World Series. And they're, I don't think they're as bad as the team that Jeff has, has seen uh, in, in downtown Indianapolis and the one we saw in, in L.A. before this started. But I think if we're just going to put this all in perspective, this is sort of expected. Young teams are up and down, maybe not this up and down, where you're knocking off Kevin Durant and the title-contending Phoenix Suns one night and getting blowed out by 40 on two other nights in the first week and a half or two weeks. But we expect it to be up and down, right? Yeah, I expect it up and down. Uh, the 40-point losses are a bit much, though. I mean, is that just the modern NBA, like you can get beat by that much or or what? Like that that's – losing by 40 is, is is something else. And I guess, I guess in Indy, they just got – bombs from the three-point line again and i guess that's that's also what that's also how toronto came back for came back on them uh at the at the frost was they just got bombed from three-point land and i don't i don't know what that is it's kind of us as much as victor is a sight to behold sometimes in a positive way just watching the spurs get ruined from the from the beyond the arc is a Man. sight to behold i mean in against toronto they had two guys, Scotty Barnes and uh, and, and OG, um, set career highs in three point makes against them. And then last, uh, well, last night against Indiana, those guys hit twenty three pointers and set a franchise record in scoring. So uh, it's just hard to reconcile that team, uh, the one with the one that um, you know won two games in Phoenix and was blowing the doors off Toronto after at halftime. The other night, and yeah, I had someone come to me at halftime of the Toronto game back at home, and say, "Well, wow, these guys are they—they they might actually be pretty good." I was like, "Well, I don't—I don't—I don't know. It depends on what you mean by pretty good." Uh, I said, "I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs." And he was like, "Well, they'll be five hundred at least." And like at the at the time, it didn't seem ridiculous. The Spurs are up twenty-seven and on their way to the third straight victory, but no, they're not going to be five hundred. Like they're not—they're—they're they're, they're too up and down. So, like, I don't think I don't think five hundred is zero uh, percent, right? But that's right. that's like the ninety eight percentile of this team. Like the, right. the range of possible outcomes is is five hundred. Like that's if everything goes perfectly right. Like to the caveats to the game that happened on Monday night. I know this podcast is reaching your earbuds and your digital players on a Wednesday, as it always does every week. Every week this season, you'll be getting your pod, Spurs Insider podcast on a Wednesday. The The caveats to the Monday blowout are it was their first back-to-back. They were at a rest disadvantage, uh, which happens a lot in the NBA, but, but that, that happened. They were playing without Devin Vassell, who is probably their best player. Um, 
most best experienced player. And um, I guess those are the two. <laughs> the, those those two should not add up to a forty point loss. Obviously. I think I think the third one, Mike, is that Indiana's pretty good. They've got some really good young talent. Uh, and let's not let's not go over I, the top. Oh, I don't know. And Indiana is a middle tier Eastern Conference team that should not be beating anybody by forty points. Yeah, uh, they've got some good young players. Miles everyone in the league team. has good young players, uh, except for. Well, I think everybody does. Uh, let's not make excuses. But but Tom, what you just made two excuses though. Oh, yeah. those excuses are, are are bulk, but yours are yours are solid yeah. asterisks. My point was those are the two things that 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 host of this podcast is were sort of unusual. Um, but those I, I I immediately followed it by saying that those two things should not add up to a forty point loss. This team should not be losing. No, you're, you're that right. badly. You're right. But what did you, that, what did you, go ahead. I, I think the, you know, as a result of those two 40 uh, point losses, plus what happened in Toronto, they're, they're either last or near the bottom right now in opponents, three point field goal percentage opponents, three point attempts, defensive rating points allowed. And this is just the opposite of what they were hoping for, you know, coming out of uh, camp and preseason when they put such an emphasis on defense and it, you know, just kind of emphasizes that Wemby's shot blocking, you know, isn't isn't the only thing. They're still they're still lacking in those areas. They still it's, it's not a uh, panacea, yeah. If you will, yeah. Uh, it's not a panacea. They people, are gonna, people are going to find ways to attack them and exploit their defensive weaknesses. You know, around Wemby, it's like you know they're all scared. You see Paul George going on there. He's like in his podcast and going off and hey, how he, you know, Wimby's too long. He doesn't know, didn't know how to play him. Russell Westbrook got scared and all this stuff. But really, teams are just figuring out how to, you know, play around Wimby. I mean, that's the game plan is because the rest of the team isn't very good defensively, wasn't good defensively last year and does, hasn't seemed to make strides. So they're just getting bombed from three-point land. Hey, maybe his arms can't reach out here. And, it, you know, it, it's worked for Toronto, it worked for Indiana. And, you know, Tyrese Halliburton is pretty good. I mean, all to Tom's point, that guy's really good. Uh, even Jeff put in his uh, takeaway from last night, what could have been, although what could have been if they had drafted Tyrese uh, Halliburton instead of Vassell is uh, they would have got Wimby because they would have probably won a few too many games. But Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, let's, let's... I mean, that's the what is because then you don't get DeJounte Murray. You probably don't say DeJounte Murray, and you end up with Tyrese and DeJounte in the backcourt, and you're a middling team. And you're probably not as good off as where you are, but we're not talking about what else right now. We're talking about why they can't uh, guard defensively, which is they just can't. <laughs> they just I mean, can't. Hasn't, I mean, they haven't got any better. Um, a lot of these guys haven't got better defensively, especially when Devin's not on the court. Um, to me, that's the big. I mean, Mike said he's the best player on the team. I don't think you know Wimbiama's great, but Devin seems to be the cog that makes this work this year. Um, he has improved a lot. Um, and without him, they just they can't miss a piece. They're not deep enough to miss any any pieces like Devin. I think that's part of the problem. It was part of the problem last year. They got injuries, and when anyone was out, they would just fall apart. And it's still the case this year. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Long term, Tyrese Halliburton is though. Like I, I don't think the Spurs would do that pick over again. Just for the record, I know this. That's not what this week's podcast is about. Oh, well, it could be about anything I want. Let's talk about it. I, I, I don't know. It's an interesting thought experiment because, like Nick was saying, you you can't just look at the roster now and say, "Well, let's swap 
swamp out Halliburton from Vassell and everything else is the same. But if you could, like he's the he's the piece you're missing, I think. Like you, you're you're trying to force Jeremy Solon to be your point guard. What if Tyrese Halliburton was your point guard? Leads the league in assists, averaging twenty four points. Yeah, the 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 trickle down. Be, There's all be. these different permutations of this discussion, right? Um, <laughs> because the other thing is you're you're not building to a team to win in twenty three twenty four. Um, you're building it for the long term. So would you rather have Halliburton and like like we said before, they wouldn't have Wemby with Halliburton. But let's I mean, so obviously you don't. So obviously you don't. But but, but, but let's yeah. just say you did. Let's just say you 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 had Halliburton it'd, and it'd be cooler if you, you lucked into the you lucked into the lottery or the the Victor Wembanyama uh, uh, lottery last year and, and got him anyway. Well, with Vassell, you can go get another point guard next year and have. They still think. Devin Vassell can be an, be an elite wing, elite two guard. Um, so if you have Halliburton as your point guard, you might not necessarily have that guy, that Vassell type player. With Vassell, you can go maybe draft a point guard this next year in the top ten, or go sign one. So there's yeah. different ways that it can come together. I don't. I guess my point is, it's not a, an utter disaster that they took Vassell instead sure. of Halliburton. No, well, I was thinking that works out. Like, if you look at all the people that pass on Halliburton, because, I mean, we had this podcast, and I'm going to probably talk more here, because I was huge on Halliburton before the draft and yelling at every team that didn't take him 4 through 11 or 4 through 12. Um, you want a team that really should have taken the Bulls, should have taken them at 4. What a disaster they are without a point guard. But, you know, I mean, you look at it, and Vassell's probably, the you know, maybe the best player player that you could have gotten besides him. So, you know, it did turn out horrible. Um, or a disaster that they took him because Vassell's a very good player and there were a lot worse players that were taken before him. Um, but Halliburton's the better player and will be the better player and you probably could have gone off and signed a wing too. So, you know, it's a lot of if, could have, could have, should have, would have. And, you know, the best way to build this team was to get Wimby and that's what happened for him. And with how, so that's just the way it is. I mean, and there's no debating that Wimby's the best solution forward. I, I love me some Devin Vassell. Like, I'm so high on Devin Vassell. I love his game. I love his future. I love where he is now, if he can stay on the floor. was not a bad pick at all. It was a, it was a great pick. Um, I'm just saying if there's some magic world where they could they could swap out Halliburton for uh, Devin right now, I, I think they do that. But there's not that magic world. And so this is the the roster they have. But And, and the you know they did a good job with that pick. Anyway, I think the reason it's a, it's always going to be an issue is because it was the pick right after, right after the Spurs took Vassell is at eleven, uh, the Kings took Halliburton at twelve. So it was there's on the draft board they're right next to each other for eternity. And I think that's why that comparison is always going to come up. You know, it's almost like if it's almost like if the Spurs had passed on him at eight, you almost wouldn't think about it as much. But because he's right there, um. That's the comparison that's always made Vassell and, and Halliburton. It also drives home that you, I'm not saying that the Spurs did this, but you you don't draft for need or for position in the NBA draft because what was the what was the thinking at the time is you, do they need another point guard? They already had Derek White and Dejounte Murray. Yeah, they were having trouble figure out a starting lineup with the guys they had. They didn't know right. who their starting point guard was, and the third one would have been just another. Uh, 
issue there. And now they don't have, and now they don't have any. any. Um, Trey Jones is, like we've said over and over and over, a very solid guy to have on your team, adequate backup. Um, Jeremy Sohan, the experiment. There, there's been, I guess we can get into that. There's been some um, fits and starts of improvement over the past week or so. That, that he played a really nice game, that second game in Phoenix, where I think he might have had one turnover for a long time. He had none. Oh, yeah. He was uh, excellent. Played really well against Devin Booker, uh, much to Devin Booker's chagrin. Got into it a little bit um, during a during a mid mid court sort of not scuffle, but uh, De- De- Devin Book- Booker basically leg tackled him way 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 away from the ball, and for the next a minute and a half, Jeremy was in his face. And I don't think the t- the uh, the the TV cameras picked this up. But there was there was tweets out there uh, with Devin Booker talking trash to Jeremy, Jeremy kind of responding to that. Um, I th- I think that's yet another one of these cases where Jeremy's getting under somebody's skin. But in this case, it was Devin getting under Jeremy's skin. And I asked Jeremy after the game, did did Devin leg tackle you? And he said, Yeah, I thought that was dirty of him. I, I, I should not do accents on this podcast. But uh, but yeah, that was that was fun to watch. And I think Jeremy just aside from that. Played a nice all-around floor game, uh, offensively, defensively. He made some good passes. You know, as as Pop says over and over, he's not Chris Paul, but uh, he's he's getting there. And I think that this again, it's it's not going to be an overwhelming success. But I don't think it's going to be. He's going to be the black hole uh, disaster that some fans were afraid this was going to be early in the season. They were both great that night. Uh, Trey Jones was great. It was, yeah, it was the best game by that that combo. Uh, they were just outstanding in Phoenix that second game. While Victor Wembanyama was scoring thirty eight points, yes, and just taking yes. the world by storm. Um, what what are you going to remember about that night, or about either of those two nights in Phoenix, which was really Victor Wembanyama's NBA holy cow coming out party, Tom? The leather-lunged uh, elderly fan behind us. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was impressive to, to have that much energy at that age. That was that was really neat. Would no, you conservatively was... say that this uh, that this lady uh, might have been ninety years old? Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, north north of ninety, but going very strong. Uh, Never stopped. Never just but, had probably much like, Wimby, much like Wimby that night. She kept bringing it. Yes, and and I would say, you know, Wimby's thirty-eight point stat line was impressive. But I would I would say, over her ninety years, she probably averaged thirty-eight Marlboros a day. Wouldn't you think? Uh, Just just from the sound of that raspy, nonstop, shrill voice, Uh, just a testament to 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 good living. I think out there uh, there in Phoenix. Phoenix. I, I, I forgot to tell you people that I, I sent my grandmother to Phoenix to, to punk you. <laughs> now, Victor's fourth quarter was incredible, uh, scoring that. You know, they go on a 12-0 run. He scores 10 of those points. Uh, you know, he just – there's no hesitation at all. It's just, you know, you look at the seven-foot-three and, and, you know, his incredible height, but it's that it's – that, there's no shyness in him whatsoever. I mean, he's – He's determined, decisive in those clutch moments. He wants the ball, um, and he produces. Uh, that's that's what stood out the most for me, Mike. The, um, 
while we're talking about it, while we're talking about his uh, not shy, not shying away from things, he he's coming. Uh, he's now got like a, a game to bounce back from. Like he was not good against the Pacers offensively, at least. Three of twelve. It was the worst shooting of his of his young NBA career. So moving on to New York, he's, we're going to see, you know, if he can rebound under the bright lights of Madison Square Garden, which I, I, you know, I assume he will. He's just responded to every challenge so far. But he was, it was, it was kind of, I'm guess nice. And nice isn't the word. It wasn't nice for Spurs fans, but just for people that it was nice to see him like look human, like he actually can have a bad game. Um, against the Pacers because he he just was out of sorts. I don't he didn't really get a lot of good looks. He was like I mentioned three of twelve, and one of them was like a a, a three point from darn near the logo at midcourt. That was incredible. Yeah, they're not they're not getting the lobs in the last two games that they they were in Phoenix. I don't know if that says something about their opponents or says something about Phoenix, but they're not getting him those just like easy. Some of those against Phoenix, it just looked so easy at times. Or yeah, just throw the ball high in the air and he'll go up and be taller than everyone and just drop in the basket. Wasn't able to do that against Toronto. Those guys are really long and and rangy and wasn't able to do it against um against the Pacers either. So seeing how he'll bounce back in New York is is kind of something to watch going forward. I guess uh, this this podcast will hit the earbuds on Wednesday, so that game in New York will be uh, Wednesday night. You can listen to this podcast. Um, watch the game and then read all about it on expressnews.com or in your, your dead tree edition. You can subscribe to the, the express news newsletter is, am I doing this right? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm doing yeah, this right. Go ahead. Keep going. I think that's that it. Express news okay. newsletter. Uh, what, what, what do you want to add to that? Well, I just want to comment on the, you handled it fine. So I'm, I'm just going to move on. There's no reason to add any more. You did it perfect. You can do it okay. every week if you want. No, I, but I, I just, just, just popped in my head that uh, we write things. Uh-huh. For a living like that, I think that he, at least that used to be our main job. Not so it would be nice if people would read them. Now we're podcasters. You you mentioned how easy it looked in Phoenix, and I guess it. I'm splitting hairs here, but it depends on your definition of easy. Because on one hand, basketball, yes, basketball seemed easier in general for the Spurs in those two games because you could just throw the ball up to the rim and Victor would get it. But some of his finishes were incredibly difficult and and sort of jaw-dropping because the lobs weren't great. Um this like there was a there was a Kelton Johnson play where he got trapped at the top of the key and just sort of fired what he shot on. It fired the ball towards the top of the backboard. Um and you thought, what the heck is he doing? And Victor somehow goes up and gets it and and gets a basket out of it. Which was just amazing. Just to uh, clarify there, for everyone, he only made that pass because it was Victor. It wasn't like he was just sure, sure. Throw it. Like so it was like I, I guess I guess we're splitting hairs here because yes, the it the 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 concept is easy because Victor is so good, but the the individual plays that Victor makes on some of these lobs, you have to watch two or three or four times to kind of appreciate how incredible it is. There was a Devin Vassell lob where Victor started on the left side of the paint and and Devin Vassell was sort of towards the top of the key on the left side of the paint and Devin throws this really high lob to the right side of the rim and Victor kind of gets behind his man, reaches out with his left hand, 
all the way to the other side of the paint. And he didn't make the basket, but he saw a cutting Jeremy Sohan coming to the basket, and he just kind of tipped it to Jeremy for a layup. It's it when we were coming back from Phoenix, I wrote something along the lines of like the, the, Victor's already changing the NBA because the, all the strategery, <laughs> the 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 plays that Greg Popovich has stayed up late nights his whole career trying to devise new ways to. To, to beat the game of basketball became a whole lot simpler because all you got to do is lob it inside. Uh, that's how it looked. Yeah. The two games since have kind of proven it might not be that simple uh, because as Jeff said, against uh, especially second half against Toronto, the whole night against Indiana, they, they tried a few of those lobs and they didn't necessarily work out. Like Victor has to be sort of in the same zip code of the lob for it to work. Uh, he has to be on the same side of the court for it to work. You can't necessarily right, yeah. just just throw it into uh, the crowd and think he'll get it. Uh, but I, I think that's probably going to be a work in progress for a while. Coming, to, coming out uh, of coming out of Phoenix, it was like that old uh, cliche Jerry Seinfeld punchline: like, why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? Yes. Or like, why don't they make the whole plane out of throwing lobs to Victor Wembanyama? Why don't you throw it to the tall guy every time? And uh, and I think of I guess another um, topic to broach here, just based on fan reaction. Um, there's been in the in the losses in the closer losses, Dallas, Toronto. I guess those are the main two because the other losses were blowouts. But there was this uh, sort of exasperation about why the ball doesn't go into the tall guy every time down the stretch. And I think the first loss to Dallas was a case where the Spurs just didn't know what to do. They didn't. They they were in their own old habits. Um, Keldon Johnson even talked about this about how he realized after that game he should have made the pass inside instead of doing what he did last year. That was a lesson learned. Against Toronto, it was just th- those lobs were were more difficult that whole second half, and I don't think there were as many occasions where it was like they clearly should get the ball to Victor here. It was just sort of out of sorts. So, uh, and, and also after that Toronto game, this was, this is sort of a testament to Victor too. I, I asked Victor, did you feel like there were, there were times in the fourth quarter when you were open and didn't get the ball? And he stridently said, no, like he is, he is going way out of his way to avoid throwing any teammates under the bus He's not going to be a bad teammate in any way, shape, or form, and that that's kind of a credit to him. But I do think there there are ways for the Spurs to improve how they get him the ball, how they use him down the stretch of these games. I, I meant to tell you guys this. I don't know that our viewers and listeners uh, care, but uh, last night after the game in, in Indiana, and you guys will know how um, uh, un, unprecedented this is, I had a, I had a nice one-on-one chat with with. Mr. Wimbanyama in the locker room at his locker. This sort of blew me away when you mentioned this last night because the common thread of all these Spurs games is that just the media circus never leaves. Like there, there's just it was a clown car in in L.A. Phoenix, there were tons of people. S.A. There's always tons of people. But Jeff McDonald in hmm. game what is it seven of the season eight had the one on one because no one else was around. But it's pretty much been, uh, yeah, it's pretty much been a uh, standard practice for the Spurs for obvious reasons that that they bring they got to bring uh, players to the post game podium. That's an NBA mandate, and 
it made a lot of sense everywhere, every game, for that one of those players to be Victor Wembanyamas, who's doing all this stuff on the podium with a group. Um, they decided to give him the night off from that last last night, and um, so I, I talked to him in his locker. Uh, I didn't have a long chat. They the bus was leaving at ten, and I didn't get in there. They didn't let me in there until nine fifty six. But I appreciated the uh, <laughs> being let in there to chat with the young man mostly talked to him about going to new york he's really excited about that you know um la was you know he said la was nice um not nice but la was you know that was that's a bucket list item for basketball players to play a game at that place but, but math it's not so much madison square garden to victor that was the funny part like i asked him if he had any this this will make Knicks, Knicks fans mad probably or but i asked him if he had any memories of watching games at msg you know growing up <laughs> he really didn't like he he mentioned Patrick Ewing and John Starks and watching them on YouTube because that's the last time the Knicks were good I guess but um, it's more for him it's just like this is where his NBA journey began with the draft and he went back to you know landing here um, you know right before the draft in June and just like the heroes welcome he received and riding that subway and going to Yankee Stadium and throwing out the first pitch and all the hoopla so he said New York's always going to have you know, a special place for him. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be writing that story so you can read that at expressnews.com or in your newspaper, and it'll probably be in the Spurs Nation newsletter. Name a better city than New York. Um, Pflugerville. <laughs> Tom is uh, Tom is dropping it. We, now, they're not sponsored, so we have to be careful here, although it would be great to get them as a sponsor. But what was the – so the, the first game in Phoenix. Uh, yeah. The, the, T, the TNT game. Where, where Victor did play great, it was Victor's coming out party, but the hero of that night, the best player that night, the guy who changed everything, was the longest tenured current spur, Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson is a delightful young man who has long expressed a penchant and a love of Bucky's, as we all know in, uh, quite well. And... Uh, and so, Tom, you want to tell the rest of the uh, how, well, how this Devin, unfolded? I, I asked Devin about, it just impressed me how he wrestled the ball away from Durant in the corner wow. when they trapped him with uh, with Trey Jones. He wasn't to be, it wasn't going to be denied. He took that ball away out of the grasp of the great Kevin Durant. And Devin Vassell commenting on it said he's a strong Expletive. Mother bleeper, mother bleeper. Mm-hmm. So I I relayed that to, to uh, Keldon when he was at the mm-hmm. podium, and uh, he said, "Yeah, something, you know, yeah, I, you know, gave gave a, a humble answer." And I said, "Maybe it was the Buckies." Mm-hmm. And that's to which to which Keldon responded with a a phrase, a slogan that honestly should be on T-shirts commercials. Uh, podcast advertisements for Bucky's uh, for a long time now. And what was that slogan, Tom? Name me a better gas station. <laughs> Honestly, like if Bucky's doesn't do something with this, they're, they're name me a better down, gas station. They're falling down on the job. That's awesome. Um, the problem is he just said it, he didn't say it on television or like in anything yeah. that could be go viral. Right. Yeah, see, that, that was out there. I, I think we got some endorsements coming if he, but we need to get Keldon. That needs to catch on. But it, it became this kind of a catchphrase for the rest of that trip. It was like, 
Name me a better pregame meal than this. Name me a more convenient arena to get to from the hotel to the to the media entrance than the Footprint Center. Uh, you know, I just like name me a better gas station. I'm like, I don't, I don't have a rate, man. I don't have a rate. <laughs> name me a better gas station. Circle K at the corner of North New Braunfels and 35. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that the Kel, Kel, that could become a new craze. Uh, name me a better podcast than the one we just did. There oh, we're going to be here a while then. There are probably millions, but we'll try better next week. We'll talk about Wimby's trip to MSG. Uh, the the opening of the in-season tournament for your Spurs, which I, I'm sure everyone is super excited about. The green court that's going to be unveiled this Friday. We'll get into all that next week when we see you again. Until then... Take care of each other and keep it real.